Hello and welcome to the Mindset Coach Podcast, the show where coaches and coaches-to-be tune in to learn how to integrate mindset coaching tools and neuroscience-based techniques into their practice and grow and scale a coaching business they love. Each week, I'll be sharing easy-to-implement tips, case studies, and business strategies that you can use right away to transform your own mindset and the mindset of those you coach. I'm your host, Lara Young, founder of the Mindset Coach Academy, author of 52 Adventures to Change Your Life, award-winning business owner, coach, and coach trainer. Tune into this podcast each Friday, free on all the podcasting apps, and click to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And remember, mindset is everything. Welcome to this week's episode of the Mindset Coach Podcast. Now, this week, I am diving deep back into the archives because I want to bring you an episode that at the time received a lot of praise, a lot of comments because it really resonated with listeners. And it's actually an episode from Christmas Day 2020. And the episode is all about the naughty and the nice list when it comes to coaching. Now, there's been a lot of things happening online lately in the coaching world and a lot of discussions about where the industry is going and about coaching credibility and authenticity and coaching ethics. And so I thought this was a great one to bring out from the archives and to get you to tune in and have a listen and just see if you recognize my five things that will get you on the naughty list as a coach and five things that will get you on the nice list. Enjoy. We are going to be looking at the naughty and nice list of coaching. Now, I've done some research for this episode. I've asked around, I've asked in some groups that I'm part of, and I've also looked to my own previous coaching experience and what my students have come and told me as well about their coaching experiences. And I've compiled a list of five of the naughty things that coaches do, what would get you on the naughty list, and then five things that would automatically get you a place straight onto that nice list, which I'm assuming is where you actually want to be. So let's start with the naughty list. Now, the very first one, number one amongst everyone surveyed was coaches selling something they couldn't deliver. So here we go. You've got a big promise. You're a coach. You're out there. You just want clients in no matter what. And you've got a great marketing machine, you've got your Canva all sorted, you've got beautiful graphics, maybe you've got some great copy as well and you're showing up in all the groups and you're promising something, you're promising an outcome to clients. But the reality is when they sign up with you, they do not get what they have paid for. You are unable to work with them to help them to achieve the outcome that they've signed up with you for. That is a huge no-no for being on the naughty list. Yes, being a great marketer, you know, having the ability to attract your clients to you is an important skill when it comes to running your coaching business. But in no way should that be at the detriment of actually being able to serve your clients once they are on board. In no way should you be all smoke and mirrors. You really need to have substance in your coaching techniques, in your coaching toolkit, so that you can actually help your clients actually get 
the transformation that you promised. So many people are lured in these days by shiny object syndrome, by the fear of missing out, FOMO, by even a dog running across with a fluffy tail. You know, people do tend to jump on some kind of bandwagon thinking that they need this next latest and greatest thing. And in reality, what will often happen is these coaches are great at marketing and again, Look, kudos, it's great to be a good marketer, but if you've not got the coaching now, so if you've not got the coaching chops to be able to back it up by helping your clients get that outcome, then you should not be doing it. So number one on the naughty list is not delivering. Number two on the naughty list is thinking that every coaching client is the same. I've heard stories where It was Abraham Maslow who said, if the only tool you have is a hammer, you see every problem as a nail. If the only tool you have is a hammer, you see every problem as a nail. And I'm hearing time and again of coaches who are trying really hard to apply the same tools and techniques to every single client. And the reality is that all clients are different and that as a coach, you need to have a range of tools in your toolkit. You need to be able to be flexible, have behavioral flexibility to be able to help your clients to achieve the outcome. And not every client is able to go through a cookie cutter process. In fact, no client should go through a cookie cutter process. Sure, you need to have a framework that you know works, that reliably helps you to help clients get from where they are to where they want to be. Sure, you need to have a range of tools at your disposal that you know are going to help your client. But when I hear about coaches trying to put a round client into a square hole and insist that things should be working for them, then that to me is a big, big tick, a big, big move onto the naughty list. Number three, it's all about the money. I've heard time and time again stories of coaches just wanting to get clients on to make their quota for that month, to make their money, to make their financial goal for that month. And they will do anything to do that. They have reams and reams of scripts that they wheel out, you know, objection, managing objections, how to handle objections, how to sell. They're pushy. You know, they talk to someone as though they're quite frankly an idiot. They talk to their clients as though, you know, if they miss out on this coaching opportunity, it's going to be the, you know, the worst thing they've ever done in their life. Why do you need to ask your husband? Why do you need to talk to your wife? Why do you need time to think about it? If you come across a coach like this who is pressuring you, who is really in that sales mode to try and get your business, please, please, please take that as a red flag and steer completely clear. One of the things that I insist on doing in my own practice and in the Mindset Coach Academy is I ask people, go away and think about it. I want you to think about it. It's a big commitment. Never in my wildest dreams would I insist that someone pulls out a credit card then and there and pays for my course. Never would I tell someone to go and get a bank loan to put themselves in debt in order to take my program. You know, for me, it's completely out of sync and alignment with my own value system, with my own integrity. 
and I just would not do it. But for those of you coaches out there who are employing these sales tactics, just stop it because it is really, really detrimental to you building relationships, to you building the fundamental rapport that your coaching practice is predicated on. And this brings me to number four on the naughty list. Getting out of rapport, not building sufficient rapport with your clients, not learning enough about your clients. Here's another one. Time and again, I'm hearing from people out there in the coaching world, from my own students, from my own clients, about other coaches who just simply don't spend any time in the diagnostic phase. They take everything that their clients are saying at face value. They're taking their every word literally that the client says. And you may be thinking, well, Lara, you know, I can only base what I have on what my clients tell me. No, that is not true. You, your role as a coach is to be a detective, to uncover, to fully understand, to immerse yourself in your client's model of the world, to completely understand what's going on for them at the conscious and unconscious level. What has happened in the past that's led them to where they are today? What patterns are they repeating? What do they believe about themselves? How do they feel about themselves and their circumstance and situation? What do they value? What's really important to them? What are the other factors that are at play? What do they think about their problem and situation? And what are they missing out? What are the gaps in what they're telling you? You know, if I say to you, John stood beside the house, I'm guessing that you've got a picture of John and the house. Now, that's what is your representation of those words. You've made a picture to yourself of John standing beside a house, but there's so much information that's missing there because, for example, in this case, John is a dog and he's standing beside his kennel. He's standing beside the doghouse. I bet you didn't have that picture in your mind. And yet so often that happens with coaches. They take the very first thing that their client says as being read without diving deeper, without actually getting to the heart of the matter. And then what happens is you waste time, effort and energy because you end up coaching on the wrong thing. You're not coaching on the problem and therefore your clients get frustrated, bewildered and they just simply don't get the results. Now the final thing, number five I've heard time and again is coaches who berate, blame their clients for not doing the work. Coaches who say to their clients, it's your fault, it's your problem, you haven't done the work, you haven't actually done what I've asked you to do, you haven't completed your tasks. Now, yes, absolutely, in part, it is the client's responsibility to show up and to complete those tasks. And in fact, I invite my students that if a client hasn't done the task, we want to explore why it is and maybe we don't see them that week. But the reality is if your clients are not doing the tasks, if they're not showing willing, it's your problem because they are showing resistance. They're showing resistance to the work that you want them to do. Why? Because you're not in sufficient rapport with your clients. When we have great rapport with our clients, we are able to coach them and lead them and they are able to follow our instructions. They're able to do the tasks that we set for them. One, because every task we set for our clients has an absolute purpose. It absolutely contributes to their ongoing success. But also because 
when we have rapport with our clients, we also have the behavioural flexibility. We know when to change. We know, know when to move backwards and when to move forwards with them in that relationship. And when we have rapport with our clients, we also know about their behavioural preferences. We know how to task with our clients because we understand their model of the world. We understand how they're feeling. We understand how they prefer to show up in the world. You know, there's no good saying to an introvert, I want you to go live five times this week on Facebook. Why? Because they're not going to do it. They have an introverted preference. They prefer to behave in a way that is on more on the introverted scale of the behavioural preference continuum, which is introversion to extroversion. You've completely not read the room correctly. When you know your clients and you understand your clients, you may say to that person who has more of an introverted preference, what I'd like you to do this week is record one Zoom video that you're really comfortable and happy with and then let's get that out online. Do you see the difference? And this is it. Like if your clients aren't doing the work, then it's you that's missing the mark. It's you as a coach that in some way needs to adopt some behavioural flexibility that needs to get more into the heart of the matter to more deeply understand your clients so then you can use the right tools and techniques that are going to help them to get from A to B. Coaching is not about being a cookie cutter process. It's not about your top 10 lists of coaching questions that you ask one after the other or that you can download as a freebie on the internet. It is really about a two-way relationship where you're listening to your client and you're not just listening here with your ears, you're listening with your whole body, you're listening energetically, you're listening at the unconscious level. So there are five things, five top things, not the only things, I'm sure there's more. If you've got some more, please do drop me a comment. But there's five things that would automatically wind you up on the naughty list. Now, let's take a look at the nice list. Now, the nice list is number one as a coach. The first thing on the nice list is listening and listening at that level that enables your client to realise, to recognise, to absolutely know that you are paying 100% attention to them, that you are engaged, not in thinking about what your next question is going to be, not in any kind of judgement or any kind of, you know, thinking about, okay, well, what's going to come next or I'm guessing, you know, mind reading. What this is is about listening in a way that you're listening at the unconscious level, the conscious level, as I said earlier, energetic level as well. You are paying whole attention to your client. You're paying attention to their physiology, their tone of voice, the words that they're deliberately choosing to use to describe the issue. You're reading between the lines. You're hearing what's being said as well as what's not being said. And you're able to ask questions that really help you to understand your client in a way perhaps that they've never been understood before and maybe even that they haven't understood themselves before. Having the ability to listen in that whole new way is so powerful as a coach and it is a skill and it does take practice. And at the Academy, we take time to help and equip our coaches with this well, almost extra sensory ability to listen and to really hear what it is that their clients are saying. The second one is understanding your client's model of the world, understanding through listening how your client is doing the problem, really getting in-depth clarity about 
how they are managing to maintain the issue? How have they got to where they are now in their life? What are all the circumstances, patterns, situations, thoughts, beliefs, behaviours that have led them to where they are today? What are all the conscious choices that they've made? What are all the unconscious choices that they've made that have led them to where they are? And how do they do the problem? What, What elements have to be present for them to be maintaining the situation that they're in? You know, how do they keep dating that person who's not right for them? How do they keep maybe not getting the job of their dreams? How do they keep reaching for Doritos instead of a bag of carrot sticks when they really want to be healthier? You know, how are they doing what they're doing? And when we have that understanding and we have the tools to understand where our clients are, at that point when we're you know, in that diagnostic phase and when we've really paid attention, then we can start to do the work with our clients that we need to do to help them to move from where they are to where they want to be. And, you know, change work with clients actually starts when they book a call with you, right, when they very first start to engage with you because at that point they've made a decision that something needs to change. And so understanding that and really listening, not just to what they're saying but energetically and also, you know, making use of every single, you know, if you've got an onboarding form, what are they saying, what language are they saying, what's missing in that? Your understanding of your client begins right from those moments. It doesn't necessarily just begin when you're sitting with them in a room or across from them on Zoom. It really begins at every layer of the communication that your client has with you. Want to learn more about how you can become a certified mindset coach? Head on over to our website, www.mindsetcoachacademy.com forward slash coach certification, and you'll find all the information that you need along with a button to book a call with me to talk about how you can become the best coach you can be. And so listening number one and understanding deeply their model of the world, how they're doing what they're doing is number two. And it's so, so powerful because when we have that ability to read between the lines, to ask those powerful questions that are really going to elicit the information that's going to help us to do the best job we can in serving our clients, then we're able to do start doing the change work. Then we're able to, number three, use our toolkit, have a toolkit at our disposal that works at the conscious and the unconscious level. As a coach who's going to make change and create real lasting change in the world and in people's lives, you really need to have access to a range of different tools that you can use with your clients so that they can change at the conscious level and at the unconscious level and a combination of both. So, for example, at the Mindset Coach Academy, we have a range of conscious change tools and processes that we use. And we draw from the fields of neurolinguistic programming, timeline therapy, hypnotherapy, EFT and energy work, quantum physics, quantum linguistics, positive psychology and neuroscience, so that we've got a wholly rounded repertoire of tools and techniques that we can use to really help our clients start to draw those parallels, start to get those new neural pathways forming, starting to get the synapses in their brains firing off in a whole new way 
it's going to open up different possibilities. Now, in complete opposite to that person on the naughty list who's bashing away with their hammer because it's the only tool they've got, a certified mindset coach has every, all of the tools available in their repertoire and they also know when to use them. And that means that they're not wasting their time when it comes to affecting change. They're not saying to themselves, oh, let's just see this try this and see if it'll work. They're actually using tools and techniques in a way that is very considered. It is a choice. It's a decision point on the part of the coach who has mastered the art of knowing what to use and when to actually get change in their client. Now, those proper diagnostics, knowing right? What your client's model of the world is, is very, very powerful. Listening at the conscious and unconscious level is very, very powerful as well. The number four thing that a nice coach does is they plan. Now, time and again, I'm seeing coaches who think that coaching is all about just rocking up for the coaching session, being there five minutes on time, clicking that go button on Zoom and away we go. Now, You know, the thing is, when we think about the outcomes that we want to help our clients achieve, there is a framework that we know consistently and reliably can help our clients to get there, to get that outcome. And when we know what that framework is, when we have that structure in place, we can feel competent as coaches and confident that they are going to get the results. There is no winging it here. There is, with a nice coach, The structure, they know in advance what is going to happen. They have session plans for, say, for example, they have a container of time of three months. They have a session plan for all three months before the coaching program even begins. Of course, there's flexibility in that, okay? Some clients will take less time or more time than others to engage in certain processes. But that framework provides the structure, the stability and the flexibility that enables the coach to actually help the client navigate through that journey to get to the other end. That it's not this endless continuum of I hope something's going to work here or there or somewhere else. I hope if I do this, that'll make a difference this week. Or going into a coaching session at continually being Groundhog Day and you're talking about rehashing the same things all the time. When you are a coach on the nice list, you do have a framework, you have a structure, you are planned in what it is that you're going to be doing with your clients. You make notes, you pay attention, you have I always encourage my students to have a big pen, you know, the pen with the four different colours and two different kinds of highlighters because I ask my students as they're writing down notes in their coaching sessions to use different colours where they're picking out different observations about their client, whether that's the language that their client prefers to use, whether that's how they view the world, whether it's a limiting decision or a negative emotion that they're, that they're discussing whether it's a behavioural preference that is indicated, we have a system where we actually highlight and make notes of those things as we go so that when the change work really begins, the coach just simply goes back over and makes notes and decides and defines exactly what it is that they're going to do and they've got all the information there at hand that they know that they're going to work with. And perhaps it is that they're going to 
remove some negative emotion first and then go with the limiting, remove some limiting decisions or doubts and uncertainty in the client. And this is so, so powerful. You know, once a coach is able to identify behavioural preferences, tasking goes by like a breeze because we're working with our clients rather than against them. Yes, we want our clients to get out of their comfort zone, but we want to do it in a way that is that they know that they are fully, fully supported, that we understand where they're coming from and that it helps them to build that confidence and build those muscles, that self-efficacy, that self-belief and that self-mastery that we know are key for having resilience but also key for our clients to take action. We want our clients to be taking consistent positive action forwards towards their dreams. And in knowing our client, then we're much better equipped and adept as coaches to help them and equip them to be able to do that in a way that is going to be sustainable and lasting for them. Because we don't want our clients to have an immediate quick fix and then it doesn't last. That's not what we're in the business of, absolutely. We are in the business of creating permanent lasting change with our clients so that they can go and achieve their goals and live the lives, build the businesses, do the things that they want to be able to do and be who they actually want to be. Now, the fifth thing that a client, uh, that a nice coach does or the coach on the nice list does is that they give recognition to their clients, that they really do spend time in meaningful feedback, in meaningful discussion with their client about progress, in really recognising how far the client has come and helping the client to recognise that too. Coaches on the nice list do take time having gotten to know the client to really every step of the way, touch base with the client, right, keep them accountable, but also to really help the client to celebrate those steps that they're taking, right? We don't ever negate a client's progress. What we say is, you know, look how far you've come, look at what you've achieved. Because so often when clients come to us, they're nervous, they're uncertain, they're being vulnerable, right? They're putting in our hands, you know, they're trusting us with their most precious thing. They're trusting us with themselves. And this is very, very powerful that we in that relationship, in that dynamic, are able to actually provide that support for our clients so that they do continue to develop their confidence, develop their competence and feel really, you know, develop their self-esteem, right, to develop their sense of self-deservedness, their sense of worth, you know, and so that they know all those possibilities that exist for them and that they deserve them and that they are possible for them. And, you know, when we are like that as coaches, it also brings in you know, Pareto principle, our coaches perform to the, our clients perform to the level that we expect of them. We have great expectations for our clients in terms of their potential, in terms of what it's possible to achieve. And that is so, so powerful in that dynamic and in that relationship. So maybe you've noticed yourself in those, maybe you've noticed yourself as one of the five things on the naughty list. Maybe you've noticed yourself on one of the things, five things on the nice list. And I wonder if you've got others. If you have, please do comment and let me know. I really look forward to hearing them and perhaps even hearing some of your own examples from your personal experience 
or even what you recognize that you can be doing differently as a coach to really enhance your client's experience and their results as well. Really looking forward to kicking off the new year. There is another episode on New Year's Day, the 1st of January 2021. So I look forward to seeing you there and I will see you again. Have a great rest of Christmas Day. Thank you for tuning in on Christmas Day, by the way. And I will see you again very soon. Bye for now. That wraps up this week's episode of the Mindset Coach Podcast. Remember to join us next week for another episode and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a review if you've loved it, share it with your friends, and I really look forward to learning how you're implementing the tools and techniques that you're learning here. Mindset is everything. Mindset is everything.